<clears throat> yo, 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 what up everybody? So today is, um, I believe it is April 10th, 2020. Let me take a quick peek. And it is April 10th, 2020. Uh, it's about 6.45 in the evening on a Friday, on allegedly a good Friday evening. And um, I'm coming at you with a new episode here. I am... Fighting off and staving off immense, not boredom, but I've already done a lot of Netflix binging, per se, and I've already done, caught up on most of the shows I wanted to catch up on. There's no real new music, as I discussed with my bros. It's like a lot of things got pushed on hold. There's no movies to talk about. There's no sports. So we're just at home, and I could be creative, and I kind of was, I would have been more creative in doing things um, around the outside of my house, but it's been rainy, so I've been forced to actually, you know, stay inside and just, you know, do nothing but watch TV shows, and I've done that, you know, and that's what this episode's about, um, you know, but before, before we get into the stuff I've watched, my reviews and my takes on it, I want to just give a quick update on the coronavirus quarantine p- global pandemic that is, um, today we found out that the deadline for the stay at home order was going to be pushed till May 15th. Uh, I'm the firm belief that it's gonna. This thing is gonna go all the way till June, if not sometime in July. Now, I had a conversation with my cousin. You know, we do the same thing. He does the same thing I do, but you know, we, we work in different areas. Um, he was saying that. It was going to go all the way to August or September. And that's, I don't believe that because I believe that Donald and the Republicans would like to open up this country before the 4th of July weekend and have like a big American victorious celebration. Like, you know, they already painted him as being, or he painted himself as being some great war hero, you know, that he defeated. He's, he's, battling an invisible enemy. He's, he's a wartime president when that's not nowhere near the case. But I think he would love to be like, yeah, he got a handle on it. He defeated this thing. They got all the masks and the ventilators and every state is on the up and up and it'd be before 4th of July so that way they can once again, we could have our independence. So I think that's the case. I think politically, that's his move because i I don't know if the stay at home is helping or not, but I believe that that's their move. You know, this thing is getting pushed to June. You might as well just keep it, keep, keep it until July, and that way, you know, you can come out as almost being like, oh, he secured the independence of America. So that's my thoughts on this thing. I think it's gonna get pat, get pushed back till late June or July, and um, from that point on. I believe, you know, we're still we're still in a waiting game. Like the disease is out there. Obviously, it's stalling here and there. But the spreading of it is even though it's still spreading around, the spreading of it is not as rapid. But, you know, I just had to give it my take on it. I feel, you know, what I see out there. Now, with that said, I've had plenty of time to sit and watch some shows. Um, watched a lot of animes recently. I've watched um, a good deal of, you know, some seasons I've been involved in. And I want to get in, jump right into it. Let me start off with the first one, and that's Ozark Season 3. Uh, what can I say? Marty Bird, Wendy Bird. The two kids, I think it's Jonah and I forget the, the sister's name, 
Um, it picks up right where it left off. You know, they... I think it's called the Mississippi Bell or the Missouri Bell. Uh, they get the they get the casino up and operational, and the laundering of money was going to start expeditiously. Marty Bird um, was just going to do it, and in the first episode, it becomes very apparent that there's some discord, distrust within the family. Well, actually, and I think that was the case late last season where Marty wanted to leave. But Wendy wanted to just go all in, you know, all in with this thing, you know, and that kind of that, that is a big topic in Ozark season three, like Marty's trying to trip her up in some, some aspects, um, Wendy's gung-ho and he's just not having it. But anyways, the story gets going. You get introduced to Wendy's brother and this Jonah and the sister's uncle. His name is Ben. Uh, right off the jump, he he's a school teacher. It looks like he has things in order, but he quickly dis- dissolves and diverges to... Descends to chaos. Um, Quickly, he just loses control. Now, they don't exactly tell you what it is that snaps him. But I think he sees a picture of a child. It could be a naked child. I'm not sure. Um, They make it seem like the picture could have implicated him. But it's, I guess, in the school, the, the girl... Um, could have been a risky task, risky text. I don't know, but he ends up asking everybody who's who else has seen this photo. Everybody, so he gets everybody's phone. He runs outside and he throws him into a wood chipper. The on-campus, um, I guess you would say the landscapers, the campus landscaper, just absolutely gets wrecked by Ben. Like he just gets mauled. And after that, you would assume he got fired or got laid off, but he just ends up at the casino. Um, he ends up at the casino and just, you don't know who he, at that point, you don't know who he is, but you get, you get introduced to him. You find out that he is Wendy's brother and it's Marty's brother-in-law. So he ends up rocking it with them, um, for a good a good portion of the season, and the season goes. Uh, Wendy has a desire to purchase another casino. There's beef with Ruth, and uh, Frank. I don't know. I think it's Frank Jr. from the KC Mob. Uh, they have some ever- everlasting beef going on. She's, you know, she's got Marty's back. Uh, obviously Frank Jr. is, you know, KC Mob, they got his back. So they, they have a tussle of who's got more power than who. And, you know, they have a couple of tussles here and there. Uh, the story quickly shifts from what's happening there. Marty becomes under investigation because he ended up purchasing another hotel and casino. And the feds step in. But Marty is like the premier money laundering expert in the United States that make it seem he's just really good. Um that and he taught Jonah how to do it and Jonah is like expert at his and I and I'm not maybe maybe that kid's name isn't Jonah but I thought it was. I mean he the the son's role in the series isn't too big outside for he's there. Um but the story develops more and you you get a little bit more mo- uh, involvement with the Mexican mob. Um, I forget what they're the Navarro cartel. The Navarro cartel. That's the guy's name. I think he's actually. You get introduced to him. You start actually seeing him. He has meetings with Wendy. Um, he's at war with the Lagunas. The Lagunas cartel or something like that. I know they mentioned it a time or two, but 
he's in he's in a war with them and they're winning. So he decides to opt to kind of put more money towards Marty because it's a legitimate franchise that they're opening up and he was going to leave some revenue and stream to the kids to his kids um i can't think of the lady's name right off the top of my head because i watched it about a week i finished it more than a week ago and i've crammed in you know other shows uh i want to say it's helen or i forget her name but she's navarro's like attorney it's the attorney she's entangled with the birds um she picks up right away that marty and them are not on the same page and that there's discord in the house anyways as the story develops more you know the feds are there full time ruth's got mad issues with the uh frank's son wendy and bird got issues and the killing starts they start they first they kill off um the therapist that was taking care of Wendy and, and Marty they kill her off they kill off uh, Wendy's brother Ben you know the uncle they kill him off towards the end of the season uh and kudos to you know there's a part in the in Ozark where Marty gets he gets taken. He gets taken to Mexico, and they hold him hostage. And they're sitting there playing uh, Brujeria. Uh, I think Brujerismo is actually the song. If not, I I don't know the song off the top of my head, but I, it's off the Mexicution, or you can find it on there. Um, and that's his torture music. They're blasting Brujeria to him, and they have bright lights on him. But he comes through. Uh, he comes through in the clutch. The mob sees that, likes it. And, you know, ultimately he's able to, you know, save his life, save his family's life and move forward. Towards the end of the season, you know, things pick up a frantic pace. Um, the lady, can't think of her name off the top of my head, but the hillbilly lady, she ends up uh, getting in a tussle with uh, Wendy Bird. Over custody of uh, Zeke. Ruth's brother or cousin is in the corner of that lady. And actually, they they become a couple and they start fucking. So it's weird. She's like 60. He's like 20. <laughs> um, they become a thing. They eventually attract Ruth because Frank Jr. ends up beating the shit out of Ruth and Ruth, um, Ruth is just disenfranchised with Marty. You know, they kill her, they kill her dad, you know, they kill her, the uncles died. She picked Marty and all them and she damn near got beat up and she wanted vengeance on the Frank and Marty and Wendy didn't give it. However, the girl, the lady with the opium fields runs over and just shoots Frank Jr.'s fucking balls off with a shotgun, fucking mains him in his car, and then that's how she gets Ruth to join her. Or so it seems, anyways. Uh, Wendy ends up having to kill the brother because he's off his meds, off his rocker, and just out of control. He just couldn't do it. Uh, he was snitching on things. Um... And then the grand finale. I mean, if you haven't seen the the Ozark, it's a fascinating. You got to watch seasons one, two, and three to understand it. Um, you can't just jump in. But season three is phenomenal. Um, I don't think there's a boring episode. I was like fully engaged the full time watching it. Um, but at the end, they end up killing. Uh, they end up killing. I think the girl's name is Helen. The lady's name is Helen. You know. Marty damn near takes a deal. He doesn't. He figures out some other way of, of turning the money around. Oh, he actually got the agent that he was looking for. And got it under... He got the situation under control at home. They fly... 
Wendy, Marty, and the lady to Mexico, and she's the one that gets blasted to smithereens. Uh, that's how the series ends, or the season ends. The series obviously leave me on a cliffhanger. Oh, actually, Marty set up the Lagunas cartel. And he was going to deal a crushing blow to the Navarro cartel's biggest rival. And he gets the FBI agent to to do the work. Otherwise, she was going to get fired if she didn't pass up pass on the information to her superiors, which would have moved her off of the casino. So, Navarro, the main guy, ends up choosing them to over Helen, and that's the end of the season. I mean, it just leaves on it just... The guy, the hitman that she's rocking with ends up doing her, blasting it right in the side of the dome, and... Her blades go flying on Wendy and Marty, and that's just how the season ends. <laughs> now, there's there's so much more in the season that if you haven't watched it, um, but you've got to watch it from season one. I know season one's a little slow. They set up a lot of the stories, set up a lot of the juicy drama. Season two is infinitely better than season one, and season three, I mean, this, really, this thing is really rolling now. I mean... Um, they're, the story is just so over the top wild, but it's so, to me, it reminds me of a lot like, you know, like a really rural area that you can connect like, like some sort of ghetto, like, I, you know, I'm from California, there's not much, but up we have this place called the High Desert, and to me, just the people, the characters in the High Desert just remind me of the Ozark, and, you know, ghetto people where I work at in Ontario, it's like, it just reminds me of like, these are the people that I would kind of come in contact with, but you wouldn't know they're part of the mob, but you know, they kind of, they make the story seem that way. And then the guy, um, I don't know the main character's actual name, Marty Bird. I think it's Jason. You know, I don't have... I don't know his name, you know, my my brother would know. You would actually know his character. Um, if you watched it and then you seen him, you would be like, oh, he does comedy on occasion or he does, you know, other movies. And you would be like, oh, I, I've seen him, but he's, he's such a good character. I mean, he kind of reminds me of like this nonchalant guy, kind of goof, goofball, but then he's thrust in his massively you know, daunting role that he's in, like, and he's just reacting to it, to me, perfectly. Um, but it's phenomenal. I, I got any of those arc season three, like a nine out of a ten. It is a little bit homer. I mean, if you had, you can't just watch season three by itself. You have to, it's, you have to base it off of watching seasons one and two to understand. Um, but I thought there was just there's just enough twist, there's just enough turns, there's just enough. Okay, because I feel like sometimes these these seasons, these series that Netflix puts out, sometimes the first season is just like a giant wind up, and like the last episode or two, just like is boom, like why couldn't this show be like this from you know the whole way through? And then I feel like. They kind of do that in the, like season two. They, it starts off with the bang, and then it just kind of like tapers off, or maybe it doesn't taper off. But they, they kind of switch from the main chunk of the story and go to like a side character story. Um, but Netflix got it, got this season to where it starts off with the bang, it ends with the bang. There's bangs like, like bomb bombshells dropping like every other, every other like. Like almost one one nugget a juicy bomb drops like every episode while at the same time pushing the story forward to a point where you're like, okay, they covered enough and you felt satisfied for that way. The next season that comes, okay, now they're at this next plateau. They, they didn't get stuck 
in the trenches of an entire season in one little area, and then it's like, okay, now they see the light of day. Now next season they're going to do this. Now this one, they did all that. You don't know exactly how this thing's going to shake out in the next season, but you're waiting for it because it was really good. So I got to give it a 9 out of 10. It was one of the better um, mob. But it, there's so many elements to it. It's he, There's hillbillies. There's mob. There's Mexican mafia. There's feds. There's money laundering. There's... There's all kinds of, there's heroin, coke, uh, there's all kinds of things, you know, backdoor deals, um, and, and it's phenomenal, I, like I said, I give it a, like a 9 out of a 10, uh, absolutely in, incredible, and for moving from that to Happy, if you guys haven't seen Happy, um, on Netflix, it's got the guy from Law and Order. I I can't ex- express this enough, but this show Happy is I think his. Um, actually, I can figure out everybody's name. Hold on, once, but uh, but okay. Let me let me go. Happy is it's the guy from Law and Order. He is the. The main guy from Law and Order SVU. Let me figure out his name here. I think his name is Patton Oswalt. It could be. It could be Patton Oswalt. I'm not 100% certain of that. And... On Ozark, the main guy's name is Wow, it doesn't give me his uh doesn't give me his damn name. <laughs> uh, maybe that's because it's a Netflix Netflix um Original? Jason Bateman, I think is his name. Anyways, okay, Happy Happy on Netflix. Happy Season... I don't know if I ever did the Happy Season 1 review. Um, but I'll do Happy Season 2 now. Uh, and, I, and I'll include, as from what I can remember, Season 1. Happy... Is the guy from Law and Order? Obviously, I said that he's from SVU. Uh, I think it's Patton Oswalt. I'm not 100 sure, and that's his name. But he plays like a, a disenfranchised cop. I think he's serving as a New York Manhattan police cop, and he's put in a number of years on the force. And I think he gets in some sort of trouble, or they, or they fire him like maybe I don't know if it's midway or sort of right away uh it's obviously set in New York and his daughter gets kidnapped by a fucked up in the head Santa Claus and her imaginary friend which is a blue horse unicorn thing goes to find Nick which is his character's name in the show and convince him to help help him save Haley from certain death and he's got so many days to do it so happy season one chugs along at a frantic pace he doesn't know what's going on he's got now he's got an, an imaginary blue horse that he can talk to and that knows things to get you know can do he's got like magical powers and He's got to convince Nick, the dad, to go save Haley from this fucked up Santa Claus. Now, the show plays out. Like, I swear to God, this is like a Law & Order SVU, but on steroids. They dabble with everything from, like... Um, they, they just dabble with everything from, like, hardcore drugs to... Um, basically, you know, like... 
there's sex cults, there's all kinds of fucking shit. Like, I, I can't believe that he signed up for a show like that, especially he was on Law & Order, which is more of a clean cop show. I know they dabble in some, like, crazy stories of, like, you know, child pornography and all kinds of, all just, all kinds of, like, you know, stories of the nature. Wow. I'm here charging my my iPad, and it's barely got to 1%. The battery was all the way dead. Or is it just charging that slow? Anyways, they get into that here. There's plenty of... I mean, the show is rated MA. There's no two ways about it. It's, it's blood and guts. But that's season one in a nutshell. I mean, there's hookers. There's all kinds of stuff. Um... But aside from that, jumping into season two, I mean, if you haven't seen season one, season two is kind of, not kind of, it is a continuation of um, season one and the fact that it's from drop to finish, it's absolutely wild. Um, The story picks up, if you haven't seen Happy season two, I would you know, I'm going to spoil it. Haley once again is in dire trouble. But this time she's not kidnapped. This time it's more of the character Smoothie is the main. He's a villain, but he's not. He's just following Haley around. Haley's. Haley, the mom, and Nick are all suffering from, like, post-traumatic stress of what happened to them before. And then the actual true main villain, Sonny Shine, is the ringleader of all such things. And he is planning on uh, making Easter great again, or Mega is what he's called it. Uh, but his goal is to, like, defeat a bad Easter buddy. I don't know. His, his thing was wild. Nick is off alcohol for most of the series, but all the villains from season one are still there aside from the Santa Claus. Uh, You come to find out that the evil Easter Bunny was originally supposed to be Smoothie, but Smoothie is like unwilling to die. Smoothie is like some crazy fucking character addicted to pain and torture. Um, And again, he's... Trying to get Nick and Haley to like do some evil, evil shit, and I don't know. The story is wild. At one point, they end up finding uh, Diggle Doug or some some shit. The guy that Sunny Sunny Shine actually replaced. As like the children's funny guy, they find him in some sort of a Nazi retirement home, and Nick and Mur, the Nick's other cop, is like full on. They just they just absolutely massacre all these old time Nazis. That shit's funny. Um, the wishies are you come to find out that there's some sort of extraterrestrial beings from another planet. Or 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 ancient crusade. I don't know what they are, but they can talk to Sunny Shine, and they're the ones who are pulling the strings behind the scenes on a massive scale. What they want to do is execute Sunny Shine on national TV and destroy, basically destroy humanity's faith in things. That's their ultimate goal. But Sunny doesn't know that. Um, Blue or Orcus, you know, becomes a prominent character too as he serves as some sort of, I want to say he's the devil, but I'm not 100% sure that that's exactly true. 
he's definitely some sort. I think they say he's a demigod that's passed down through the bloodline. But anyways, let me get this flash forward from episode one. Episode one, it kicks off as just like, you know, reintroduction of the characters. They blow up some nuns in the middle of Manhattan and it's up all over the news that, you know, this happened. You know, it's just a wild story. Anyways, Smoothie ends up coming in contact with Haley again and Nick finds out Nick's practically homeless. Uh, but he finds out and then he starts trying to, you know, piece together the puzzles. He gets dragged, actually he gets drugged back into it by Murr, into the story of getting Sunny Shine. They never got Sunny Shine from season one, even though he's like the ringleader of everything. So they start doing investigating, they come across Smoothie, they find out that, you know... All the problems start surfacing between Nick and the ex-wife. Um, she's pregnant. You know, the daughter's having trouble at school. They're getting bullied. Um, they offer the Haley a jewel randomly. Happy, which is actually the little horse, unicorn. He, you know, he's at, at odds too because he's now, he's no longer Haley's imaginary friend. He's... Nick's an imaginary friend, and Nick doesn't really care for him. Um, and, you know, they're, they're at odds with each other. So he's got to find his own path in the story, too. He ends up hooking up and shacking up with Bo Peep, which is kind of interesting, of all the characters that they could have given to him. They give him a Bo, uh, a slut Bo Peep. <laughs> um, but, yeah, towards the end... Uh, they start tracking down pieces of the puzzle to get to Sunnyshine. Smoothie actually convinces Nick's daughter to shoot Smoothie. And she damn near does. She damn near does. And thankfully enough, uh, Nick, you know, stops her. Well, actually, he jumps in front of Sunny. And stops Haiti from busting the cap in Sunny Shine. Uh, and that's kind of how... Well, actually, that's not how it ends. But that's how Sunny Shine's story ends. They burn the wishies. Uh, the wishies look like... Some... They look, <laughs> they look... To me, they look like Patrick from Spongebob. But like a grotesque version of it. <laughs> Uh, they get burned off and Blue or Orcus, he survives. He actually takes over a whole prison and releases all the prisoners and he uses the prisoners as an army to fight Nick off, but it doesn't, it doesn't go successful. Anyways, towards the end, Nick, Haley, and the ex... I'll come to terms with what happened. And Nick's on the outside, free. He's tracking down Smoothie because Smoothie actually gets away momentarily. Haley is now reeling from her traumatic experiences again. And the mom's in jail because she actually guns down Smoothie. Or actually guns down Sunny in the end frame. She's the one that actually shoots. I think she... Shoots him twice or three times with a shotgun. Uh, so she's in prison currently. Now, she gave birth to some wishy kids. And I don't know. They made it seem like none of them survived. But I, I'm under the assumption that maybe one or two or three of them did survive. Because I know Blue had one in his hands. Or I forget what his name is. Something Scaramucci. Uh, Blue Scaramucci, I think that's his name. Uh, he actually is the one that's... Is Nick dies. But he goes into the afterlife. <laughs> and the afterlife is... For Nick, it's an orgy of women with... 
bourbon titty milk. <laughs> but he actually saves Nick's life, pulls him back into reality, and then sends him on his way to go get Smoothie. Smoothie ends up being decapitated by Nick. And but I don't think he's dead either. That's the other that's the other funky part of this thing. Um Smoothie perhaps he did meet his demise, but I don't think he's actually dead. And the reason being because he had already experimented on himself with rabbit parts and I think he died in season 1 but was alive in season 2. So this possible for a resurrection for him as well. Um, but with that being said, you know, Happy then finds out he he can't figure out why he himself didn't disappear, and that's when uh, Ian Malcolm, not Ian Malcolm, what is his name? Uh, you know, the guy Ian Malcolm for. <laughs> He's actually in this series just for like two minutes at the very last. He's He plays God up in the clouds. And he's an imaginary figment of, you know, the imagination as well. But Happy goes and talks to him. He's like, you know what? Uh, things are going to change because they just eradicated Easter and... Halloween is on the on the horizon. Uh, Mer does never become a cop again. She ends up joining by force some sort of god hunter club that has to do with Blue Scaramucci's family, and so I think she's gonna end up having to hunt down Blue and people like him. And that's no easy task because Blue's almost invincible. Blue's power is he can convince people to just kill themselves on sight. So I'm not exactly sure how he's beatable. Except Nick. Nick is drunk enough to surpass it. Um, but with that said, there is definitely going to be a season three. I give Happy Season 2 is better than Season 1. Uh, slightly. I got to give it. Probably like, uh, probably like a, a seven and a half out of ten. I think it was a, it's a little, it's a little over the top. Like, it's, I mean, I would give it an eight, maybe an eight. I mean, you've got to like mad violence and just some, some things there's like no point of them even bringing up or mentioning, like his tussle with, I think they're Jewish people in the middle of New York. Uh, that they could have done without all that side story. Like it was cool watching it, but <laughs> it was some some of the stuff in there is like pointless. Um, I, I do I do give them credit because Law and Order is so rigid. It's a rigid show. Like it's ice cold. And happy is just an over the top. This is like crime fighting, but it's fun, but it's so murderous, but it's so. The story went. They went. They really went and shot for this. And I, and I think, like I said, I actually like it. It's like a seven and a half or eight out of ten for me. It's not as good as Ozark in the sense that, you know, if this is more fantasy than it actually could be possibly real, like Ozark could possibly be be happening but it's it's just um you know the it's it's over the top so i mean that that's the only knock i got against it but other than that it's a fan, it's a phenomenal season season 2 is on par with season 1 i think season 1 was a little bit more gritty a little bit more raw and this one was just like they went and shot for the moon with this one which I don't mind. Like I said, to me it was phenomenal either way. I can't wait for season three. Maybe it'll come out sometime next year. But it was great. Moving on from that, uh, I finally fi- finished up watching seasons one and two of My Hero 
Academia. And I'm going to finish watching season three and four probably this coming week. Uh, because now I'm like, the, the, the ball is moving, you know. Now I, I like... The ball for me is just, it's moving in a sense like... I, I got my, not that it was chugging along, but as I had mentioned to my bro in the, in the last episode, I had started watching it and then my ex at the time was, I had finally convinced her to start watching anime with me, but we switched from My Hero Academia because, you know, it's on Crunchyroll. We switched it to, um... Hunter Hunter on Netflix and we had actually ran through about a season and a half of that before you know her departure from me and so that sidetracked me and my hero but I had watched about five or six episodes I got the flavor of it I let it marinate and then I like binged the rest of season one and all of season two within the last couple of days this is the most freshest of any of these three series that I'm talking about in my mind. Um, All Might is a phenomenal... To me, All Might reminds me a lot of Superman, just like Saitama did in One Punch. Um, But All Might, to me, is a little bit more better of a character in a sense than Superman again the 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 Japanese got they the Japanese have their versions of a Superman character and I think they're better by hands hands down I mean all might you find out right away that he is almighty he's like the strongest superhero that there is he puts on a smile every time he saves people but his quirk or his thing is he only can keep that form for a couple of hours before he reverts back to like some skinny he reminds me of like some skinny stoner skateboarder like Scooby-Doo almost or like Shaggy uh, he, he reverts back to a Shaggy that's like his secret disguise but that's not necessarily his secret disguise that's because that's he can only maintain all might form for so long and been, and then he's got a let his body heal up and continue forward. Now, th- this may change up in seasons three or four. I don't know what's going to happen with this character. Uh, but All Might is the number one. And they have rankings, just like they do in One Punch Man. There's rankings of these heroes. There's like the top guys, All Might. And then there's Endeavor, and there's, you know, there's the list goes on. Um, All Might's actual name, I think it's Toshori or Tonoshori or something like that. He is there. Um, Young Midori, Midoriya, Izuka Midoriya, he's actually the main character. Him and uh, Kachan are the main characters. But All Might is the character that he somehow... And I forget how they actually got intertwined. But Midoriya is born without super, super abilities. Or they call them quirks. But his heart is in the right place. His heart is he wants to save people. He's not really afraid of the danger. Uh, he's willing to risk it all, like, to just even save one person. Uh, so Midoriya-san is... Um, actually, he probably should be the number one hero in the world because they they tell you early on that he's... A fanboy nerd. And all he did was study heroes and villains and their powers and how they reacted, their times. Everything down to their fighting style. Like anything that you could see, he knew. Like to the T and he memorized it. Uh, 
He also had the courage and the big heart to go and do incredible things. His story gets intertwined with all my all my ends up picking in because he can see that he's fearless. He can see he's got courage to save people. All my ends up giving him his power, which is uh, one for all, the quirk one for all. Uh, he ends up giving it to Midoriya so that way he could carry on the legacy of the number one hero. And you find out that All Might is on a time limit, that his powers are reducing, that he can only be All Might for so much longer, but he's going to pick up Midoriya and train him and become so he can become the number one hero. So that happens. He trains him, and he gets accepted into... The hero, or they call it the UA, or the USJ, or the UA, or I forget what they call it. But it's the, it's the Hero Academy, basically what it is. It's a school for heroes. And they only, only so many of them pass. Like the best of the best are the only ones who actually get to be heroes in the, rest, in the real life. While the other ones either turn into sidekicks, or they do like, they just stop like your regular burglars. Or you're like, just like patrol the streets in a sense, or like not high up there. Um, so he gets all my ends of getting Midoriya into the school, and the the way it sets up is Midoriya's got all the knowledge of how to be a superhero, but none of the power or actually none of the skill set yet. And he just is like thrust into school with other, you know, kids his age that have learned their quirks from like early on and learned how to use them and master them and, you know, really showcase themselves better at the school. Uh, at the school, he you get in, you get introduced to uh, Yuraka. Uh, which is, I think she ends up liking Midoriya. You get introduced to, I don't know all their names, because there's a lot of them. Uh, Endeavor's son, which I think is uh, Todokori. No. I think it's Todokori, uh, Shoto. Uh, Lira, or Lira-san. Uh, he's... Oh, then you get introduced to a bunch of the teachers. There's Eraserhead. There's there's all kinds of them. Thirteen. My favorite ones is Dark Shadow. I don't know that guy's name off the top of my head, but that's uh, one of the more, my more favorite characters. He kind of reminds me of Batman, but he's got like a dark entity that he can spew out from the middle of him, like a shadow, and he can make basically it like he doesn't have to physically attack. His shadow will attack, and his shadow gains strength as the. As the sun goes down. But when the sun's up, you know, his power becomes less. Uh, Kachan, I think his his name is Midoriya's friend from like childhood, but he's kind of a bully. And he bullies Midoriya like the entire seasons one and two. Uh but, you know, Midoriya or Deku, as he chose his name, um, he becomes, he, you know, he learns a lot and very quickly. And I, and I like how the show showed him. He's got all my power. So he's got the power to just like, he can punch a building or punch. And I think that's like one of the first thing he does when he gets... Into the school is they get into like combat training, kind of. He just punches like a robot that's, you know, like a mech that he punches it to smithereens. Like, and then he's on combat training with against Kachan and he like punches the entire building to pieces. And, and it's just, a, and he's not even trying. He's operating what they say is at 5% of his All Might. Or his uh, one for all strength. He's he's operating at five percent while everybody's operating. Perhaps I want to say like around a sixty to seventy percent. You know, maybe some of them are operating at 
full capacity, but they don't know how to use it all the way. They get into situations, scenarios where their powers become useless, and that's what the school is teaching them, how to rely on other students for help, how to handle different situations. Um, but yeah, season one ends with all my in the school. They go on a field trip to go to a disaster zones. Like there's a fire zone, there's a flood, because they they're trying to teach the kids that it's not always about fighting villains. Sometimes you have to rescue people from certain scenarios. Uh, a lot of crime is fought indoors. You know, patrolling the streets. They. they and a lot of rescue operations. So they take them to an area where there's a lot of, you know, there's a landslide, there's a, a, a ship that's sinking, there's a fire, and they go there, and they're going to get separated at, at the school into different groups to finding, like, I guess they're going to train them to find, you know, survivors and pull them out of the different areas and as they're getting underway, they get attacked by, oh, I can't think of the villain's name, but he's, he wears hands on his body. And that's not his power, but his power is actually he can touch you and break your, and just like shatter your body. Uh, he interferes, he brings out an enemy called the Nomu. And the Nomu is basically all might, but without the brain. They they ended up making a villain that's as strong as all might and as powerful as all might, but just doesn't have the mental. That's the one thing that is the downfall with making a a, a villain that strong was that he was going to be rendered thoughtless. And, you know, all hell breaks loose, you know, Midoriya and Kachan and the whole entire school is under attack. Now, there's other characters that, like I said, I just can't think of all their names. There's so many. And some of them are really hard to pronounce and they don't say them that often. Uh, but they, they all each randomly take on a little squad of bad guys and then... They all help, or actually the four main ones, I think it's Kachan, Midoriya, All Might, and Todokori, I think is his name, end up fighting the Nomu at the end, and they end up defeating the Nomu, but the main guy, the main villain disappears out of his wormhole or whatever. He's got a he's got a friend that can warp people in and out of like areas, and they make a hasty escape. Now, hold on one quick second. Okay, I'm back. I'm back to this. So, where was I? <clears throat> At the end of my Hero Academia one, um, they're able to beat back the villains. Um. Eraserhead is completely thrashed, as well as Midoriya is thrashed. Kachan is not so thrashed. Lita and company are not so thrashed. But All Might is a little bit beat up. But you find out that his powers only can only go from three or four hours a day. Now they're cut down in like half. And season two starts up with the heroes are in school. They've they were going to do testing for you know combat training and things of the nature, but they end up getting into a sports festival, and that group of heroes, which is Midoriya's class, which is Yuraka, they have the, the frog or Star Shadow, Minetata, they got um, Kachan. There's a guy, an Endeavor son, I think it's Todokori. Uh, they have a girl who I think is actually probably 
uh, it's hard to rank them. Who's got more power? Because they all got powers. Uh, Kachan is probably the more brutal of the heroes in the more physically rounded warrior of the type. But Todokori is only fighting with half his strength. And each of them have their flaws. But I want to say the girl who's probably... And I can't think of her name right off the top of my head. But her ability is to create. Um, I got my eye on her because I believe she probably is... If she can create anything out of... I think anything that's not living... But she can create spears, bombs. She created flash grenades. She can create tape. She can create literally anything she wants to. Uh, a blanket that can um, absorb, you know, electricity. She could probably, and I think the power of her is limitless. But she, I think her main flaw is she kind of takes a back seat to everybody because she's not a real physical. Superhero in a sense, but I think her abilities are like through the roof, um, as well as some of them are like you know Midoriya's power is just like through the roof. Uh, Kachan's fighting is through the roof. Uh, Todakori's powers are fire and ice, and he's got like infinite. He's a he's a son of the number two hero, and his powers are just infinite as well. Lita comes from a a long line of family of proud heroes and he's got experience just in his veins. So a lot of them have like these incredible powers and when they sign up to take the sports academy at school, you know, they, they really shine um, ahead of the other classes that are at the school because they're in Hero Class 1A. Oh my god, I'm yawning. There's also the hero class, you know, B. There's the um, the other girl that's... Uh, I can't think of her name, but she creates... She kind of reminds me of the Batman of the group or the Iron Man. Like, she just creates, like, all kinds of... I don't know if it's tech or if it's... or They, they call it the enhancement class. I forgot what the class they call it. Or the or the support class, but she's probably right up there with the main heroes because there's nothing that they can really do, and that was proving case in point. But she was only toying with Lita. Uh, she hooked up. She actually toyed with them. She showed off her entire repertoire of items that she could use to boost heroes, to help stun heroes, all kinds of things. And she only, that's as far as she wanted to do. She was able to wrangle up probably one of the top 10 heroes and like did it so effortlessly. And, you know, she was going to get hired like immediately. Um, So they do the sports academy. They get ranked up. The battles between uh, Kachan and, and Todokori and... You know, Midoriya and Todokori and Lita and, and Dark Shadow. All their battles are phenomenal. Even the even the race is phenomenal. The race actually starts out... Midoriya wins the race. He ends up coming in first place. And based off of that, he gets so many points. And they, they do this thing called the Cavalry. And he's got 10 million points assigned to him and everybody else got like a thousand. The goal is to have you pick a team and the team with the most points at the end advances uh, to the fighting stage. So he's on a team. They end up finishing second place there. Uh, during the one-on-one combat, he ends up finishing, I think, in fourth place or fifth. I'm not sure. He loses to he loses to Shoto F, but I think he loses to him 
because he his opponent is infinitely more stronger and more well where more well adapted to fighting and he's still learning so he had a lot of he was playing more defense than offense but i think that might change in the next season because i think he he's almost caught up uh at the end of season two he, he pretty much progressed up to the point of where kachan and everybody else is um he finishes and then they they finish them and then they all get to pick their names. Kachan fish, finishes in first place and you know, uh, the whole world got to take a good look at them, you know, and their skills during the sporting event. And Midoriya I think finishes overall like in the top I think he's fifth or yeah, I think I think so. But they all get to each do a little intern at a place or or anywhere that they really wanted to. And Midoriya goes and he ends up training with the friend of All Might or the person that trained All Might. And Kachan goes to another place. Uh, Todakori ends up with his dad and you know they end up everybody ends up in different place here and there and you know each one they're trying to train their abilities uh, they all train and then an incident happens where this guy called the hero killer uh, drops on the scene now the villains from the first initial season try to recruit him uh, but he doesn't. Uh, he doesn't believe in what they stand for, so he kind of wants to go rogue on it. Uh, they end up crashing in the city of Hosu, crashing like the middle of it. Like a couple of more Nomus pop up. Uh, the hero killer makes his presence well well known, and he ends up fighting Lita, Torokori, and Midoriya. The three of and I actually there's another person there, but the three of them barely subdue him. And mind you, they have you know insane powers at that point. Endeavor shows up, and now I'm gonna say this to me, kind of seems like Endeavor is a foreshadowed villain because he already kind of doesn't like All Might for whatever reason. Because he was obviously always the number two. But I think he might be the actual ringleader of the League of Villains. That's what they end up calling themselves. <laughs> um, but, you know, I can't, I can't say that for sure. I don't, I don't know. Although, if it comes to that, I think he's in much more physical shape than All Might is. And he'd be hard to defeat if that is the case. I don't even think all of them combined could... I don't think all of them combined could be All Might, and I don't think all of them combined could be Endeavor. Um, but they end up fighting back the Hero Killer, which sets up. Uh, I think it's Tamagari. He's the villain. I, I'm not one hundred percent. I don't have access to, you know, figuring it out right now. Nor do I want to jam up the the podcast any more longer than it has to. But Long story short, they end up beating back the Nomus. They end up doing a little bit more training. They all get together, you know. And they have to pass a final exam. The final exam is they pair up. There's only 10 of them left. They pair up and they have to defeat a teacher of their choosing. Uh, Or not a teacher. The teacher chooses them based off of their weaknesses. And some of them pass, some of them fail. Obviously, Midoriya gets teamed up with Kachan, and they barely beat All Might. You know, they have to take on All Might, but they do. Uh, Some of them fail. Um, But most of them succeed, and and they become, they pass the hero exam. Now, the one thing that I did leave that it's a cliffhanger is the, the League of Villains is still there. They don't get touched. They actually, he actually ends up running up on Midoriya in the mall and telling him basically what's going on. Uh, 
in just prior to that, All Might had explained to Midoriya that Midoriya has the one for all ability quirk in him. You know, it's it's the collection of heroes in the past and they all help you in your body and that's the one for all. Or, uh, yeah, one for all ability that he's got. But there's a counterpart to it where it's the the true villain that he that he that all might have faced and the reason why his powers is diminishing is there's a a a villain out there with an ability that's all for one and that means he's taking uh everybody's ability and using them as his own and that's how you find out that's how the gnomes are created and that's kind of how season two ends with all of that information there with the one for all, you know, power being in Midoriya and there's a all for one villain out there somewhere and he's pulling the strings secretly behind the League of Villains. That's where season two ends. I haven't watched season three and four. I'm going to run that back when I'm um, done with it. And I got to say, the first two seasons of My Hero Academia are, are right up there. They're probably like, it's as fun as Hunter x Hunter seasons one and two. Different scenario. Uh, it's also just as fun as watching Demon Slayer. Demon Slayer was a little bit more serious, but uh, this is definitely, it's definitely fun. I mean, if I got to rate, I got to give it like about an eight or nine out of a ten out of what I've seen. Hunter x Hunter was, you know, after rewatching about a season and a half of it, like the characters, you just I like the characters. A lot of characters, and there's a lot of villains and bad guys, and and a lot of good story to it. And there's a lot of good story to My Hero Academia as well. You know, not everybody and their families getting along and things of the nature. But it's phenomenal. Like I said, you gotta watch that. Um, and I'm gonna review finally. It comes in waves by the Acacia Strain. I'm gonna. I've listened to it now about a dozen times. But I want to listen to it a dozen more times. Maybe maybe like 15, 20 more times before I actually sit down and discuss the album. What what I really like about it. What I feel. I feel that, you know, my thoughts on it. And what I feel about the band going forward. And, and things of that nature. Uh, just as a fan's perspective, obviously, I don't know. Jack Squad about the mentality of the band. But I want to discuss that. And then I want to also discuss seasons three and four of My Hero Academia. And um, I'm probably going to end up finishing up and maybe perhaps starting some other shows on Netflix. It just depends on how things go, how this quarantine goes. You know, got time now to just sit indoors and just watch and do things. Uh, but with that, I know this episode ran a little long, but you know what? Three phenomenal shows I watched. Ozark Season 3, Happy Season 2, uh, My Hero Academia is really good. Uh, have been watching some incredible, incredible, you know, things on Netflix to bypass the time, you know. You got time now, I got a lot of time. So, as I said, with that being said, I'm going to hang it up here, you know, and... I'll see you on the next one, guys. Take care. Stay safe. Wash your hands. All that good stuff. Wear a mask. All right, late.